Hello and welcome to our 2021 Pages and Popcorn podcast, Summer Watch. This summer, we are watching Shadow and Bone, the Netflix show that based on the first Grishaverse book, Shadow and Bone. And tonight we will be discussing episode two. We record these episodes live. I do not do a lot of post-production work and we do have the Zoom link open and available so that our wonderful listeners can pop in and give us their opinions on the episode of Shadow and Bone we are discussing. Of course, we ask everyone to follow these simple rules. One, try not to talk over one another. This is really hard and I'm guilty of doing it, but we are on Zoom and I'm not going to do a lot of post production so please do your best two please keep your barnyard language relevant it's okay to curse but make sure it matters let's see three don't be a troll number four videos must be on names must be there we have to make sure we know that you're a real person and not a troll and then if we kick you for being a troll we want to make sure that you don't come back all sneaky somebody else and lastly just a reminder that this is being recorded and i'm not doing a lot of pre-production or post-production work so be careful what you say say what you mean all that kind of fun stuff and again i reserve the right to mute you kick you off uh, if you're being a troll or if your internet connection is just really laggy we might mute you and come back to you so there you are and now for the episode it's the pages of popcorn podcast Jennifer and Kelly will edify. It's the pages of Popcorn's podcast. Jennifer and Kelly are gonna talk, so you better damn well listen. Okay, shall we talk about episode two of Shadow and Bone? Yes, we should. Let's do it. I have, I have my notes. I have my three paragraph uh, recap again this time. Um, of various lengths because we have three storylines so we need three paragraphs to paragraph for each so we have storyline a actually i should guess i should say this episode is called we're all someone's monster so that's a title okay i like that title i like the title and I, I don't kinda, think it fits with the episode. Yeah, I mean, okay, like the first one was a searing burst of light. Okay, that that happened in the episode. This one, I'm kind of like, okay, I, I see kind of what they're going for. We can talk about it. Um, no spoilers, but like, because I was like setting the thing up on my thing, I saw the title of next week's episode and it just feels like someone was like, let's make a pretentious sounding title. But we'll talk about that next week. Anyways, okay, so we're all somebody's monster. We have three storylines. Plot A or... Plot Alina. See what I did there? Alina. I see what you did there. She is brought before the Darkling, the general, and the other Grisha. The Darkling asks her what she is, and she says, I'm a map maker. But he rubs his silver ring on her arm, and sunlight bursts from her, so obviously she's not just a map maker. For her safety, he packs her into a carriage and sends her to the Grisha stronghold, aka the Little Palace. But her coach is ambushed. The Grisha fight, and the attackers have guns, and it's all bloody, and Alina is almost killed, but then the Darkling shows up, and he cuts a man in half with his mind and his magic, and now Alina will ride with just him. Not sure why this wasn't the plan from the get-go, but okay. They chat a bit on the ride, and we learn that Grishas are feared and hated and that a Grisha made the fool so maybe a Grisha can unmake it and then they won't be so feared and hated. Also through flashbacks and conversation we learn that Alina and Mal hid when they would have been tested as children to find out if they are Grisha because they wanted to stay together. It is ambiguous if Alina maybe knew she was magic. 
At the palace, Alina is given a fancy room. She seems afraid of her bathtub. She tries to do some acting. The episode ends with her staring into the middle distance and missing Mal. Plot B for Base Camp, a.k.a. Mal's story. Okay, maybe I should have called it Plot M. Whatever. Mal is injured from episode one, but he gets army medical help, not magical medical help, unlike Alina. He's all worried about her. He's shocked when her sunlight bursts from the Grisha tent. When her carriage leaves, he runs after it, but to no avail. Then he tries to get the brass to go get her, but they're like, um, no, she's Grisha, and therefore not like one of us. Also, there's bitterness about the words of a Grisha fighter versus a regular Joe sort of fighter. So Mal decides to steal a horse and go after her alone. But thankfully, his buddies talk him out of being so fucking stupid. He also ends the episode staring off into the middle distance and missing Alina. And in a different part in the world, in a different world altogether, if you ask me, and a totally different timeline, we have plot C, aka the Crows plot line. Over here, Kaz is trying to figure out a way to get across the fold, while other gangs are trying to warm him or punch him off the job. Everyone wants this job, apparently. Inej has apparently not been fully purchased by Kaz, but she can buy her freedom from the lady who still sorts of own her, owns her, who I'm going to call menagerie lady and she can do this with the murder of a sex trafficker and while she's pretty anti-sex trafficker she is twitchy about murder meanwhile kaz and jasper are showing off their skills kaz is observant and smart and knows things and he finds a woman from the other side of the fold gets her to tell him about the conductor a dude who smuggled her across the fold with the help of someone named poppy who kaz happens to know jasper shows off his skills his skills are being awesome sharpshooting quick draw verbally fun and full of swagger he is my current favorite character out of the entire bunch anyways kaz talks to poppy who gives him a clue that points to where the conductor is and oh look it's the guy that Inej was sent to kill. Turns out he's not a sex trafficker after all. So now they can use this conductor and his skills to get across the fold and Inej can go with them because Kaz has given Menagerie Lady the deed for his club as collateral until he gets back and fully buys Inej. This storyline ends the episode with a warning from Menagerie Lady that it's all his to lose. Okay then. There you go. That is the episode in three paragraphs. I, I like your ABC. That Thank you. Well, <laughs> well, the A and the C just really worked. And I was like, we'll have to make Val, you know, Mal is B. So basically, whatever. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. So I have some notes. <laughs> but let's start with the title. The title is Everyone is Somebody's Monster. It's a fantastic right? title for a better show. Uh yeah uh i mean okay so they're kind of going for the, the grisha are the monsters because they're not known and they're feared and hated but also what what like what who else is a mon I, i'm i get that like we're all see this is the thing we're all the main characters in our story and most villains don't see themselves as the villain but I'm not sure if I buy that everybody is somebody's monster. That like that just doesn't. It doesn't jive with the story. Well, it doesn't jive, just from a standpoint. Um, there is a Zoom user, a Zoom user, a Zoom user in our waiting room. We're going to admit them and see if they will turn on their camera. Do you know and who it is? It says Zoom user. <laughs> So, Zoom user, we need a name and a camera, or I'm going to boot your ass, because we don't do troll stuff here. Yes. Um, this is oh. Jill. I'm a Hi, friend Jill. of Jennifer. 
Hi. Okay, so I can vouch that Jill's not a troll. <laughs> I'm not a troll. Okay. Well, I might be. <laughs> no, I'm not. But I, I couldn't get into my account, so I had to have a makeup a quick one for me. Oh, okay. That works. Well, you've missed my exciting recap, but other than that, we were just starting to talk about the title of this episode. Quick introduction. Jill, uh, Kaylee is the one that's speaking and I'm sure that you can see her. Yes. Can you, do you have a camera that you can turn on? I do. I'm in the car right now. I'll be home in about 10 minutes. Can I turn it on then? Sure. Okay. We'll we'll let that go. We'll we'll let that slide. for Jill. Okay. Yes. <laughs> we do. We do tend to have the rule that you have to be, you know, so that we make sure that people are who they say they are. Oh, okay. We did boot a guy. I, I'm assuming it's a guy. It was a male name that neither one of us knew. There we are. Hi, Jill. Oh, awesome. <laughs> there you are. So just a reminder, Jill, um, I don't know if you listened to last week's episode, but I am recording and I'm not going to do a whole lot of post-production editing. We're just going to pop this in the feeds tomorrow. So oh, okay, yeah, so this is live and we need to kind of get on with the show. <laughs> okay. Can I, can I take my face off of here just because yes. I'm okay. driving? Thank yeah. you. <laughs> For sure. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate right. that. Okay, okay. So the title of this episode, as Jennifer and I were just saying is um, everybody is somebody's monster. And we were trying to figure out what the hell it meant in, in connection with this particular episode. So okay. You know, we have the six of crows storyline and in that, you know, the Grisha are hated, but you could also see how the Grisha are hunted. So I yes. kind of see that where that's coming into play. Um, yeah, I see that in Alina's story for sure. And with Mal too, because, you know, he's very much involved with her storyline, but over there with the crows, the only thing I can think of is like, who's the monster, the menagerie lady who owns an edge is a monster. The smuggler is, we think he's a sex trafficker. So like, that's a monster, but then he's not actually, uh, you know. It's just like I, a great sunny title, but doesn't yeah. live up to the hype, so to that, speak. It doesn't. I just think I feel like it was somebody trying to be all pretentious and make it sound cool. And they could have should have just named this episode too. Like if you can't do it well, so, then don't do it. Is my now opinion. are we allowed to talk or are you guys just talking? Oh, oh no, no, absolutely, Jill. Okay. So I I actually like that um phrase of when they say and I was it Kaz that said everybody somebody is everybody's monster. Was is that Kaz that said that? I don't think anybody said it in the episode. That's just the title of the episode. I could oh, be wrong. I, I've only watched the episode once, but it was earlier today. And Okay. So I'm not watching the show. Um, I'm not keeping up with it, but I did read the trilogy. And now I'm on the second book of Six of Crows. And I feel like at the end of Six of Crows is when somebody said it. Don't quote me on who, because I'm not sure. But I like that because... Um, you know, when it you talk about Mal. sense in Six of Crows. Yes, definitely. And definitely. So, I, so that might be like a thing for those people who read, you know, like a little Easter egg for those people. But for those of us who haven't read Six of Crows, who are coming to the show and the way oh, that Netflix okay. is, is showing it to us with I these see. two storylines, it just doesn't, especially for this episode. Like, I think ultimately down the road, we could have storylines that talk about how, you know, people are the monsters to other people. And like your perception Mm -hmm. about who the good guy and the bad guys can evolve and change with more information or whatever. But in this particular episode, it just really doesn't jive with the little bit of the chapter of the story that we're getting. Okay. And 
in my expert opinion. <laughs> and and which which show is it that you watched? I, I know the show, but which episode? Oh, we're on episode two. Oh, okay. Okay. So in this episode, um, I've already done the recap. I'm not gonna not gonna do it again. But okay. we, we do get to learn a little bit about you know, Alina's now traveling with the Darkling. We got a little bit about what the Grisha are. Um, something that I really liked was the actual fight when Alina's coach is beset upon by the, the guys who are hunting down the Grisha. And I liked the way that the magic was used to, in combat, but how it wasn't overwhelming. Like they still definitely took some casualties, but also the guns actually surprised me honestly and i know that i well i don't know i feel like the guns are here because of the six of crows story because we have we have to meld these two worlds it didn't feel like and remind me jennifer in the book i don't feel like there, there were, were no guns there were no guns so it felt very jarring to have them be shot at with guns so that's guns versus magic and you, you'd almost think that, well, that's going to be completely unbalanced and you could make an argument either direction. And it, it almost seemed balanced because they both got some and they, you know, but it, it was interesting. It was, it was fascinating. I, it was weird. I, I was love not expecting the fight it. scene. Yeah. Because it felt like a real fight scene. They're fast, which, you know, most fight scenes that you see, you know, they're done very cinematography, you know, with a lot of, oh, my words tonight, but they're done with a lot of uh, choreography. But real fights are fast and dirty, and I love how that looked, where you see the powers and you see everything that's going on. I don't mind the guns so much because you have different nations, and different nations will have different levels of technology. Yeah, I mean, and again, like, because they're adapting this for the show, I understand why the guns are there, but it did, it was a little surprising to me to have them there. Um, and then it really fit in with the conversation that Mal had with the with the brass, the military brass, where they were like, they told us that one Grisha person was worth 50 regular people. And then somebody invented the revolver. So now a Grisha person's worth, you know, two dozen. And then somebody invented the repeating rifle. So now one Grisha is worth 10 of us. And at some point it's going to be evenly matched. And I just thought that was really interesting how as the technology evolves, the war making technology, but the magic isn't evolving. It is, it is pure static, you know, it's static. exactly. And how that's going to eventually, it's going to go the other direction, right? Like the, you know, you can, make wind and maybe make a little fireball but you're you're nothing against a nuclear weapon you know it's just it's so that's just interesting but then i thought there's this idea that magic is science we don't understand and i'm wondering if that's going to feed into this at all where like it's it's is it going to stay magic or is it going to be you know something if they're, they're going to try to explain it in some way not to go all midichlorian up in here but i'm wondering if there's going to be some element of that especially when the uh the darkling starts to explain it to Alina and he's like, there's magic everywhere. It's in the wind and you can channel it. And I was like, Oh my God, we're getting Jedi mind trick, but it didn't actually <laughs> manifest thankfully. So, I mean, and so that's a rhetorical question because is... I don't want to get spoiled if for <clears throat> anybody who might have seen more than this and me, but I, I am interested to, to see how that shakes out. Okay. But I'll say this from reading the six of crows. Magic is magic. And magic is just kind of the stuff that breaks physical laws. You know, your brain would never be able to, you know, do biofeedback on another person. So that seems to be the distinction. Uh, whereas the technology part, I, again, I think it's really interesting having 
a world where you have simple rules and you really explore them than having like a lot of shallow rules. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the depth of that of, well, how would a mage fight a gun? And if you look at, you know, at modern times, if somebody could actually, you know, create fireballs or do biofeedback, what laws would we have? I, I, I love those kind of questions. Yeah, it's definitely a fun element of speculative fiction for sure. And we don't often see the high fantasy magic mage users, you know, with the gunslingers. Like that's not that's not a common juxtaposition in in one work of literature. So that that's kind of fun. It is fun. I as as the, I think that was probably the scene that had the most, you know, special effects and whatever. Last episode we had the fold and the Volcra, but this one was was dirty like you said and and realistic in a way and I, I i totally dug it i'm with you it was fun it was a fun scene it was surprising and fun i yeah i love the train scene because we were just talking about that last time wouldn't you have better technology and i love the idea they have the train and how would you you know create the tracks for this sort of train to go through this towards you're giving me a weird look uh but it was the train scene towards the end when they're going through the unseat what? Okay, maybe I'm getting the episodes mixed up. Did you watch the next episode? <gasps> no, it's when he was fighting up, fighting off all the uh, things in the train. Oh, maybe I did. Oh, Shiza. Jennifer! I'm sorry. Edit that out. No. I spoiled stuff. I'm <gasps> awful. <laughs> I mean, I was imagining. I have watched oh. that far also. Okay, well, okay but... <laughs> Mm, no, no, I'm, I'm guessing um, that there's going to be a train because we talked about there being some kind of tunnel or something to get across. There had to be some other way of doing it. And the freaking guy, the smuggler is called the conductor and even looks like a train conductor with his little, you know, waistcoat and his little watch and whatever. So I was guessing, but I didn't know for sure. Thank you for spoiling me, you naughty, naughty girl. I <clears throat> love the scene. It's fantastic. Well, keep it to this episode, you missy. <laughs> Notice in my recap that I know you faithfully listened to, there was no mention of a train. <laughs> well, yeah, you were talking about the gunslinger being awesome. I was like, yeah, that was a pretty awesome scene. Anyways, in this episode, <laughs> we we continued with the theme of her, you know, I'm different and that's bad. Um <laughs> And I know we harped on this a lot last episode about the, uh, the the racial components being added. Now we've got the magic use. The magic users are feared and hated. There's some racial group that's feared and hated, but it's kind of hard to understand which ones because we haven't really been told, but apparently Alina's part of that. So now here she is in this coach being like, it's not good to be different, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she's literally saying that to two guys with darker skin complexions uh, who have accents that are different than other people's accents. And I was just like, again, I just, I mean, I'm not going to harp on it every episode, but it, it bugged again, that we're making this into a thing that I just felt like they didn't need to do. Um, okay. Let's see here. I will say I love Inez. Inez. Yes. Yeah, just the actress is gorgeous, and I love how she how she fights for her independence, and still has this odd relationship with uh, Kaz. 
Yeah, I enjoyed the um, the clown car of knives that was going on when she was like, I'll take this knife down and this knife 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 over here. And oh, yes, there's another knife over here. And that was that was funny to the point, but it was almost absurd, like how many knives she was pulling out of her clothing. But it was it was good. I think I think the casting was done really well for her and also for Jasper. Jasper is a highly entertaining character, still not completely sold on Kaz. He's that's that's a I just can't get over the Malcolm McDowell eyebrows cheekbone combination. And like this is a this is a guy who really likes the smell of his own smartness. This is a guy who on his dating profile would say that he's a sapiosexual. I freaking guarantee it right here. So, but, but Jasper makes up for it. Jasper's pretty awesome, especially talking about his talents, my talent for this, my talent, but that's not one of Jasper's talents. <laughs> I love that. Love that a lot. So um, I did find, speaking of Inej, I want to bridge into this. So she's been told to kill somebody and she'll get her freedom. She doesn't want to commit murder, but this is like a means to an end. Okay. She asks Jasper to kill the person for her. And he's kind of like, but then how is that any different? And that's a parallel scene when we have Alina and the Darkling talking. And she's like, you just cut that guy in half with your mind. And he's like, yeah, would you rather have used a sword? Which is a, a scene that happens in the book as well that we talked about. Like the difference between the weapon, does the weapon make a difference? Does the, does the proximity to the crime make a difference? And to pull it back to Inej and Jasper, does the person who's conspiracy to commit murder just as guilty of the murder as the person who actually deals the killing blow? So I really like that we had some parallel um, structure happening with that and this discussion about, about violence and about killing and that killing isn't just something that's done without any recourse, even though Alina's in the army, right? You know, that they, presumably they're fighting somebody, although I'm not exactly sure who um, at this point. So nations are fighting each other and then they have the unseen. And I, right. I love that term. Yes. But yeah, we haven't seen a lot of combat really. So we know that they're fighting. Now the only fight scene we've seen is this where they're where the, the ambush of the coach. But I liked that idea of, of, of fighting and violence and, and killing in proximity versus not. But it was, it was well done. I think that's a great way to introduce moral questioning, especially to young people. And they are canonly young characters who would be wrestling with these kind of questions where you have your instinctual, well, that doesn't feel right. But if you question it, well, really, is that a difference? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what does it mean to feel those ways about killing? Mm, let's see here. So Jill, do you have anything to add on the issue of young people having to learn morality and questioning their instinctual ideas of morality. Not to put you on the spot or anything, but you're here, so. No, 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 that's fine. Um, so are you talking about like like young readers or are you talking about the characters within the story? Both, because you know they're young characters, but you're also having readers having to introduce like these ideas of questions of, well, wait a second, should I have this yeah. devil's advocate really? argument and think a little bit more critically about what's going on because that is a right. critical thinking lesson. Absolutely. And I think that's that's absolutely fundamental in teaching kids critical thinking and um, having them explore their world through literature 
and then make those connections from the literature and make that leap. Well, what about in this situation in life? Uh, making those connections to morality and to, and here, okay, you guys brought it up earlier about them, her saying that you, it's important not to be different. And she's talking to two people who are different color, different um, uh, accent and that sort of thing. So when they, the author uses the Grisha and the hate for those, you can then, if you wanted to, without getting into a heated discussion, you could make parallels to society and things like that. And, um, you know, I think that lets people see it maybe from a different perspective than they would. Right. Well, and, and the idea that we always fear and a lot of fear leads to hate, hate leads to the dark side, but we fear what we don't understand. Yeah. Right. And if you're in a world mm -hmm. where there's technology guns or there's, you know, whatever, like normal normalcy, and then there's also magic that only some people have. And it's, it, and as it's been presented so far, let's be clear, just so far, it is something that you either have or you don't. This is not something you learn, um, which, right. you know, so then it's like an innate thing, which makes there's the othering aspect, which even even harder to understand. And the fact that they're having to test people means that it's not like genetically predisposed, like you're not, it's not following through bloodlines. It's kind of, it feels very random right. and that's scary. Right. So, yeah but also that there's nothing you can do to acquire it. Um, and, and you are identified as that or not. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting. And it does kind of, it, it makes them, it forces them to have a little empathy too. Like what if I were in that situation, how would I feel if, what would I do if? So right. I think it's Which, great. Um, okay. <laughs> Which is a good thing. I don't think that this story is, is going to do that. Um, particularly well, because what we have here is more the burden of awesome, right? I, oh my God, I'm the chosen one. I'm gifted. I didn't want this. I didn't ask for this. Can I give it away? You know, that kind of stuff where most, most young adult readers, and let's be honest, a not so young adult readers would be like, are you fucking kidding me? I want the magic powers. Like, okay, yes, with great power comes great responsibility. Hello. But, but also freaking magic, right? You know, like, well, with great power also comes like awesome adventures, right? And, you know, yeah. people trying to kill you <laughs> and people dying to fall in love with you and yes. love triangles and, you know, yeah. everybody's in well, yeah. well, no, but there's also, and, and you're not on that episode yet. And, and I, I don't know if we're talking about, nope. the book, but in the okay, book, no spoilers. There are some, when you're, okay. After so when you were spoiled. talking about moral issues, yeah, I won't. I won't do a spoiler, but there are some moral issues that she has to face and Mal has to face. And it just, you know, kind of those, you know, what would you do if type of things? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll get to those. I'm sure. I uh, had so many avatar flashbacks <laughs> like the way they would, you know, do the hand wave and all of a sudden like terror. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. And like we said, Avatar came out before the book even. So we know that it was borrowed heavily from that. Um, let's see here. Oh, we've got a little bit more just, you know, off of an edge. We've learned that she's looking for her brother. Um, we'll see if that's a foreshadowy thing, if it comes up or if it's just something that is mentioned. I have a couple of future hopes and stuff. Oh, oh. so speaking of kind of what we were just talking about, sorry, didn't mean to skip ahead. But um, Alina does say, like, she wants to transfer her power. Like, can it just be given away? Can I get rid of it? And he's like, 
he doesn't actually answer her question. He, but he's like, why would you want to give away your gift? You know, they see it as a gift. It's a thing, right? Which you see a lot of times there's two things here. You see that in disenfranchised communities where they're going to cling to the thing that makes them different. And it becomes a source of pride because if you're going to, you know, make fun of me for being different, I'm going to be proud of my difference. I mean, hello, pride month. Right. Um, and it's also a thing called covert prestige. Yes, that's true. Um, and then the other thing about that is because we have read the book and we know that amplifiers are a thing. There's this, 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 it's already laid in a little bit that like giving away your power, um, giving away your internal personal power, not even magical power is a thing that women have to struggle with and decide if they're going to do or not. And so we know that that happened in the book where she chose to like light her, you know, shine her light under a bushel for her love for Mal. And then, you know, reclaiming her, her own power made her stronger and all of that stuff. So I'm hoping that that wasn't just a throwaway line, that that is laying in some groundwork for, for future episodes. I, I I did like the graphicness of the death of the guy who was on top of her when the Darkling killed it. First, when the, when the thing first happened and there was a little bit of blood on her face and I was like, that's not gory at all. And then after she got up and they, the camera pans away and like, you see it on the ground. It's like still kind of steaming. I was like, gore, there it is. (laughs) There's gory, but not like eighties, you know, horror film with the buckets of corn syrup. No, no, no. But it was, it was very realistic. And and you look at intestines and when you see it in real life, um, you know, the other day I was watching somebody have like part of their skin cut off and oh my God, just, it is horrifying to see it in real life. Just, just, you know, in your neighborhood or are we? Well, my mother was having an operation to remove some skin cancer. Okay. Okay. And there I am looking and she's looking at her arm going, well, isn't that interesting? And I look at her arm, at her arm going, oh my God, I can see like your tissues and stuff. And, Yes. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for the context. I was getting a little worried. Um, yeah. So I'm just saying that. <laughs> yep. Entrails are freaky to look at. Eyeballs and entrails. Oh, I have a note here that says the Darkling looks like a poor man's Tom Cruise. Okay. That's what it I think. Does. I thought. The Thank same you. Thing. <laughs> Thank you. And it's not just because I watched Minority Report last month uh i swear to god no. <laughs> i kind of think if tom cruise and keanu yeah. reeves had a child because he's got a longer face i'm sure i mean he's not exactly but yeah, yeah he, he definitely had tom Cru- i mean he's way taller than tom cruise no apple box for the darkling but he's he's uh yeah I, i'm into it i'm into it i like yeah i'm glad it wasn't henry cavill that's that's the thing but he does tell her you're Grisha you're now you're not alone and um which would have been more impactful in the book because in the book she literally had nobody but Mal but here she actually had some friends I mean she got most of her friends killed because she's stupid but whatever she has some friends and she has Mal and the relationship between her and Mal is is way more fleshed out and sweet and you know almost to the the sap-tastic levels but hold on can you see me in the in the zoom jennifer you have to reach out yes. towards me and then we'll okay. can stare at each other <laughs> no wait is it that is it that way the other way other way other other arm okay. there it is other arm. oh other arm oh. jennifer there it is perfect <laughs> yes ah <laughs> mm, yeah and and i mean i have to say like i i you know the acting is 
fine. The gal who's playing Alina, I think she does okay, but the she's a little wooden. The scene at the end where she's in the room, so she goes into this room, and she shuts the door, and then she starts to cry, and and I was thinking, okay, why is she crying? And I had okay, she's exhausted, da da da, all of this stuff, but she's not really giving us any of that. That we just know that, and and it almost looked like she looked at something in the room, and then that made her cry, but we don't actually see what she's seeing at first. She's just crying. I was like, okay, what are you acting against? And then she walked into another room, and she like looked at the tub, and then she turned around and ran away from it, and I was like okay i'm afraid um, of baths right and then she went finding a weapon i got that and stuck it under her pillow okay i don't know it was just that that end scene i felt like oh we're padding we're, we're padding we're padding to make the storyline a little bit longer so that we can continue to have our weird cuts back and forth between our three different storylines and I, I wasn't there for it but the rest you of know her, if you're going to do fine. cutbacks it would be fine to show an image of the guy laying on the ground mm -hmm. so you could see okay that's what she's reacting to she's having all these kind of memories and flashbacks mm -hmm. or you know her friend getting sucked yeah. off the the ship by the unsea yeah. creatures yeah and i, I think mean, that's where I, I say i think that's where a novel does better than um a tv show it did flash those images perfectly though Right, and, and, we could go, and we could have had like she could have walked into the room and then like there could have been a shadow against the wall and for a second the shadow looks like a volcra but then it's not it's like actually just a, a hot stand you know or whatever it is right and then and then she can you know she can start to take off her her whatever that she's wearing and see the blood on it and then like try to wipe away the blood i mean that's cliche but it's cliche for a reason so we would have like these physical triggers mm -hmm. instead of her just walking into a room and then crying yeah, Which, it looks like she walked in into a murder scene because it looks like she's reacting to something that's there. Exactly. But since we don't yeah. see what she's, I was like, is this room scary? And then the next thing we see is we're looking at a bathtub and being freaked out. And I was like, are we afraid of water or what? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So not, not great. That scene and the ending of this, this staring off thing really didn't work for me. But the, the, the rest of the episode I thought was really, really good. And I enjoyed it. I'm still enjoying the Crow storyline more, even though I'm very, curious how they're going to match it up and connect it and it definitely still feels like we're watching two completely different shows that accidentally got you know smushed together um yeah i would have loved this so much more if we had you know the two separate seasons of this yeah yeah like we said last time yeah uh, my future hopes um i i'm really interested to see if the ring he removed his silver ring the darkling from one finger to another before he poked her with it and then i was like did he poke her or did he just run it down her arm like it almost looked like he was cutting her but then she didn't have it wasn't cut yeah so, she's like bleeding light right but but then there was no it didn't actually show that so i wasn't sure if he was just touching her was able with a single touch of his silver finger are you talking he about can, when they were in the tent mm -hmm. now i felt like he cut her and then he sent somebody to heal her in that next episode and wait they healed that one but she didn't want the scar on her hand to be healed okay so now oh. you're jumping into another episode so but i think it's the same episode i mean no I think it's in this episode she goes in the tent after she's healed from she gets healed by the, her collarbone is healed by magic she's picked up off the boat she's taken in what are you i'm a map maker no what are you i'm a map maker really i think you're a sun summoner i don't know what that is let me touch you with my silver ring that i'm going to move from one finger into another oh my god burst of light oh my god and then putting her into a carriage and saying okay take her to the little palace for her safety that that's the 
That is what happened. So some other hand oh. situation, some other episode. Oh, all right. That's okay. <laughs> this is this is new. This whole talking without talking, and and it's it's a trip because because normally I know all the things, and I'm only up to this episode because we're trying to like keep it. So yeah, no, that's funny. Both you and Jennifer aware of more things, and if Heather was here too, she'd be the same way. Anyway, I'll, I'll rewatch it up until what next week? You'll do episode three. Yes, that's the plan. And then that'll be all I'll talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Um. Oh, okay. So speaking of Alina and the Darkling, it is kind of a slow burn so far. Like I know because we read the book that there's going to be feelings between them, but it's already the end of the second episode, and there's only eight episodes, and they're only one third of the storyline. And so I'm kind of like, wow are we going to really speed up this relationship or is it not going to be as impactful? I don't rhetorical question. I don't know, you know, and I'm, I'm interested to see because it definitely feels like a slow burn in terms of the, the wealth of feelings that we know they got to in the book. Mm -hmm. So do Oh, and I'm really hoping that she actually did know about her power, but she made herself forget. And that's why she ran off and hid. Although it does make me question the whole testing thing. Like they don't test people who are injured. I mean, the Grisha can get injured, right? So just because you're injured doesn't necessarily mean you're not Grisha. Why would you not test somebody who was injured? That makes no sense. Maybe that'll get explained. I don't know. And I took that as they just making, making fun of him, saying, trying to be mean to him. Mm. Okay. Okay. I'll headcanon that if that's a thing that that's, I mean, they go to all the trouble to show us that he is injured with his little hand wraps. Can I just say that I like Mal's hair so much more as a child? <laughs> yeah, the curly locks. The curly locks. I'm here for it. The shaved head is not, not, not doing him any favors in my queer lady, uh, you know, opinion. So yeah, that's, and I like Zoya. I want more Zoya for sure. Those are kind of my thoughts. How about you, Jennifer? Do you have hopes for the future? I am really looking forward to the Six of Crows storyline. Because okay. I, I think the characters are just so much more interesting. And Alina is just kind of boring. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I and you know, it is hard. Like we've read the book. We know the basic plot that is going to happen over there. So the other one, it's it's it. it, it there's two things one those are more interesting and better written characters and their storyline is new to us because we haven't read the book that it, you know what i mean it's not coming from the source material so yeah so yeah as somebody so, who did read you know six of crows uh i i i do like those characters a lot more just because there's a lot more depth to them alina mm -hmm. is kind of a blank slate and is a whiny sort of teenager and there's only so much of that i can stand mm -hmm. did you read the shadow and bone trilogy jennifer i i only read the first of the books we read the first one because that's the one that this plot is is taken okay okay so i read the, the shadow and bone trilogy but i've only read six of crows i'm on the second book crooked kingdom kingdom right now so yeah it's a little okay. messy <laughs> so jill yeah um, they're trying to put it together 
<laughs> I have proposed that the author became a much better writer between doing Shadow and Bone and Six of Crows. Would you agree with that? Okay, you have to verbally do yes. that since we're on a Zoom. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I agree with you. Okay, let's um, court yes. show. And a lot more action, um, a lot more concise with the writing, I felt. Well, the characters are just more interesting and they all have a dynamic to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's more depth to them. <clears throat> or in this one, it's Alina, depth. Mal, and the Darkling maybe a couple little side characters here and there but yeah, i'm looking forward not... to jenna showing up or jenya or whatever her name is i feel like her world building was really good okay say that again I because zoom was really cracky on that oh i said i feel like her world building was really good because I read the Shadow and Bone trilogy first, and I felt like that set up the Six of Crows really well, so that I understand what's happening there and how, like the Grisha and the whole, the whole um, what do they call it, the Grisha verse, how that works um, with Crooked, Crooked. Well, what am I reading? Six of Crows, and then now I'm reading Crooked Kingdom. So, yeah, I think her world building was pretty good, and I like how. Uh, like in, well, okay, I don't want to give anything away. Never mind. <laughs> Good okay, job. I, I love it when an author grows and isn't kind of a one-hit wonder. They got the one novel because it was the thing that was happening at the time. But you see them develop and become better at their art. So I, I love seeing development like that. Yep. Well, I, I'm excited to see how the show continues to progress and see what happens for sure still very much interested to see what happens and uh looking forward to next week's episode and like i told you it is called the making at the heart of the world okay yeah that that is the making at the heart of the world not really Um, about those prepositions but sure we will figure out next week what (laughs) that means if it means anything at all and so if you would like to participate please watch episode three watch one through three if you're so inclined but definitely watch episode three be like me and don't watch past it and uh then (laughs) and join us in zoom on tuesday night at eight o'clock pacific standard time all of the links can be found at kmmamedia.com and on our social media networking places, KMMA, KMMA Media is on Facebook. It's on Instagram. It's not on Twitter, but Pages and Popcorn Podcast is on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter and I'm also on Facebook. And so is Pages and Popcorn Podcast. So all of those places are places where you can go, get more information, find the Zoom links, join us. And we will watch and see if Jenna shows up. I'm really hoping she does. Maybe we get to see the Lecherous King at some point. That'd be cool. I'm interested to see if we're going to find watch Mal become a tracker or if that's just going to be a different storyline. And I'm waiting for the smoldering, the hot, dark, smoldering sex that I've been promised by reading the first book. So fingers crossed for that. And, uh, and apparently there's going to be a train. <laughs> Thank you, Jennifer. <laughs> it's okay. But uh, also thank you for our guests showing up, Jill. Yep. Thank you, Jill. It's nice to have you on. Nice to be here. 
Indeed. Okay. That's it. 